Right about now, you are listening to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, a show where we discuss living as a leader worth following, leading others to do the same, and in doing so, leaving a legacy for future generations. My name is Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., a learning and development professional and leadership coach, sitting down with my co-host, Anthony Devon Watts Jr., an expert contact center leader that has effectively led and developed dynamic teams with high motivation. Together, we have over 30 years experience in the corporate game. Join us as we discuss our growth as leaders, share the lessons we've learned, and interview others to see how their leadership style was shaped as they were mentored by adversity. Well, hello, legacy leaders. Uh, this is your co-host, Jimmy Gonzalez Jr., along with uh, my co-host and close friend, Anthony Devon Watts Jr., uh, we are here with our second session of the Mentored by Adversity series, which we are very excited about. Uh, and today we have along with us Judge Laurent. So welcome. How are you? Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me here today. We are very, very excited to have you with us. So again, Absolutely. thank you for, for the opportunity. Uh, this is something that ever since we reached out to you and you said, yes, that, you know, we've been looking forward to. Uh, and again, just me very excited as a fellow uh, Evans alum. Uh, it's cool to, to be able to get back with you and, and hear a little bit more about your story. And I'm uh, just so proud of you and the things that you've been able to accomplish. And I'm sure that our listeners uh, are going to get a lot from it. So, again, excited about the opportunity. Uh, for our listeners out there, again, we thank you very much for uh, all the support that you've been giving us up until this point. Uh, please, you know, continue to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure that you're subscribing to whatever podcast platform you're listening on as well. Uh, we are very getting very close uh, to 500. We're already over 500 downloads with the podcast and getting very close to 500 viewers uh, on uh, YouTube. So again, very excited about that. But that obviously cannot happen without you guys continuing to plug in every week and listen and share with your friends and family and other legacy leaders. Uh, so again, we thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, but I've had a great day so far. How are the two of you doing today? Devin, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say uh, today's been a typical day, not at the office, okay. right? Uh, working remotely. So um you know, a lot of meetings, you know, conference calls, you know, I felt like today I was mostly playing like a conference call bingo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, All right. Like, Hey, I can't see you. All right. Hold on. Turning your camera. Can you hear me now? Like if I, you know, if I had a, a nickel for every time that's occurred, but, um, aside from that, man, um, got to spend a little bit of time with uh, man, man, before we got together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, fortunately during the day, you know, I don't, get to break away too much from kind of the demands of work, even though I'm working here at home, um, to spend too much time with them, but to like at least be a part of bath time for whatever it's worth. Uh, it's always fun, um, but he definitely made me pay for it, like I said, because he was not <laughs> happy when I was trying to take him out of the tub. And so literally, this is outfit number two or three for the day, because the last one that I was like, okay, I'm gonna get dressed for um, our podcast, and then I'll take care of him and put him in the bed. Oh, man, he soaked me. I felt like uh, I was um, at SeaWorld, like, watching <laughs> <laughs> watching the orcas jump. So, um, But anyway, he's good. He's laid down, man. So I'm, I'm in good spirits. And I'm really excited, man. I'm excited to, um, you know, learn a little bit more about, um, you know, Judge Laurent. And, you know, ever since you gave me the heads up that she uh, agreed to be a, um, a guest on the podcast, did a little bit of research. <laughs> and um, 
even got an opportunity to um, you know check out your uh, my my American Dream video, ah! uh, which was nice. super inspirational. Um, and so hopefully we get to dive into that just a little bit and just kind of talk about what your journey means for um, your family and how oh, yeah. they sacrifice to get you to where you're at. Um, and also, I'm not gonna let our viewers sleep, but. Uh, the judge also has some really good dance moves too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't have too much feet at all. Ah, so funny, all. so funny. That was great. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely leave the, the link to that video as well in our show notes, that way our viewers can check it out. So it'll be good. Absolutely. So funny. Well, I'll tell you, today was a roller coaster of emotions for me because um, the courthouse right now, because of the pandemic, is basically, um, in phase one so they're only having limited court appearances and i'm in county civil so all of my um appearances are virtual so i'm doing them by teams um which is great because it gives me the flexibility like for now that we just started the children back to school this week on launch ed um to be able to conduct my hearings from home um we're gonna have think i'm blessed enough that we're gonna have someone helping us going forward because it's just not practical for me to be able to have what happened today and what happened yesterday on an ongoing, it's, it's not sustainable. I cannot do that. Um, but our nanny is gonna start next week because she had other commitments before we hired her. And I said, okay, my husband and I, we can handle it this week. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. So I had some hearings throughout the day. And in the midst of that, my husband had a horrible day yesterday. He was so frustrated trying to get everything to work. You know, it wouldn't connect getting kicked out. Finally, he thought he figured it out and he was so happy. He was like, Gisela, you're gonna have a great day tomorrow. I got all the kinks out. So I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> I could I could not. It was just one kink after another, getting kicked out, things not working, permissions. And then well, everybody was fine. I'm like, great, I'm gonna run down and get my hearing. I'm in a hearing, I'm, not, I'm hearing them yelling, I'm out, I'm getting kicked out. I'm like, I'm muting myself. I'm trying to have core. I'm hearing them screaming upstairs. I was like, I'm not, this is not working. That is not working. I was like, this is horrible. I wanted to cry, but I said, just breathe, breathe. I said, okay, I was able to handle my hearings. We did what we could do as far as launch ed and tomorrow's another day. And that's how life is sometimes, you know, sometimes you just got to roll with the punches take a breath and start all over tomorrow and it's going to be better. Tomorrow's Agreed. my husband's turn. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Tomorrow's another day. I like that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the technical difficulties. Uh, so Ooh. my, my youngest, she started school. Obviously a lot of kids started school this week. And, uh, so we have a computer that she's been using probably for a couple of years now, but we realize it's going to be time for us to upgrade. Uh, so, you know, just trying to help her out. And luckily, her brother was able to allow her to borrow his laptop so she can uh, get into her classes and do what she needs to do. Teacher's trying to talk and ask questions and like the sound was just muffled and she's, mm. you know, sending the messages. I can't. My mic isn't working. So I'm like, poor baby. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so, hard. Yeah. yeah, it is. And but then, she, you she know, to do well. You, I have a, a seven-year-old, you know, she's in second grade. It's almost like you you have to be next to them to, for them to be able to do, walk through the steps and like transition from one class to the next. For example, they were gonna go to their electives or what do they call them at that age, their specials. And yeah. So you have to be there. I mean, that basically we're blessed that, you know, we can hire somebody who's gonna come in and be here all day. Some people don't have that blessing that they can't, they can't do that. And so, I, I mean, I don't know. They're gonna have to figure something out, but. It's yeah, tough. it's not it's not easy. <laughs> Again, my oldest, he's in second grade as well, seven, mm -hmm. and uh, 
yeah, you're absolutely right. Just um, being able to be like tech support and then also <laughs> like the teacher to, t you know, train in another way in case they're not comprehending it and stuff like that. It is definitely taxing. So yeah. um, you're right. Hopefully they do figure out something else. But in the meantime, we're going to try and balance it all and support them the best way that we can because yes. it's not easy for anybody. No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so again, we are excited. This is episode eight for us uh, and session two of our Mentored by Adversity series. Uh, and within this series, again, this is really one of the highlights for us. While I think we do love talking to each other, it is way more cooler for us and exciting to be able to bring on uh, individuals like yourself, uh, have a conversation and just learn from you. You know, we're definitely learners and we want to, to be able to speak with other leaders in our community uh, mm -hmm. and learn, you know, what you've been through and kind of how you've grown through any adversity that you've gone through. Uh, but we just want us, you know, to start off, if you can tell us and your listeners a little bit about yourself personally and professionally. Okay, well, um, I grew up here in Orange County. Basically, my parents are from the Dominican Republic and they immigrated to the United States. They came, they landed in New York City, I think that's where most Dominicans come when they first come here. <laughs> and, I, and I always complain, which I shouldn't, I should just be blessed, but I always complain that all my family was born in New York except for me because um, my dad took on a business opportunity um, to, someone said, you know, you want to make money, you should open up a body shop or go work at a body shop. And he had never, you know, his family were farmers and that's what he did when he was in Dominican Republic. He would sell um, plantains and vegetables on the street for, for money. but. He said, go to Cleveland, Ohio, and someone will take you and you could live in the body shop and you can learn the trade of how to work in the auto body shop. And so he said, okay, I'm going to do it. And then he, him and my mom went to Cleveland, Ohio, and I was born there. Like, who lives in Cleveland? I have no clue. You know? <laughs> and I, all my family can say that they're New Yorkers except for me. I have to say I'm from Cleveland. I don't know anything about Cleveland. And luckily, my mom hated it. And so by the time I was two, three years old, I was here in Orlando, Florida. So this is where I call my home. Don't ask me anything about Cleveland. I don't know anything about Cleveland. <laughs> in fact, the other day, I was at a conference. They told me that it's called the mistake on the lake. And I'm like, ah, oh, now I can say <laughs> Now I can say it's my mistake. Too, but OK, now I'm not going to hate on Cleveland because people might like Cleveland. But I haven't met anybody who said they love Cleveland yet. So I think I'm safe. <laughs> Neither have I. So I think you're safe. Absolutely. Shout out so, Richard Smith, by the way. Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> Probably the only person, yes, who's down with uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So I moved here and I loved, I, I loved it. You know, and I, I have so many fond memories growing up in Orlando. You know, when, when I first lived here in the 80s, it was not diverse as it is right now. Like right now, we can say that Orlando is almost 40% Hispanic safely. You know, it's like high 30s. And, um, when I moved here, it was not. There was not that many. And if you were Spanish, you were Mexican. That was it, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, and and I remember my family didn't speak English, and so I didn't speak English, even though I was born in the United States. And I always remember, you know, when I started kindergarten, my teachers like, were, you know, they talk like, "Oh, you're so cute." My mom dressed me up. I always say like to the Mexican prom because I had, you know, first day of school, I had this huge red ruffle dress with the ruffle socks and the shiny white patent shoes for kindergarten. <laughs> Long hair with big big bows in my hair. So of course they thought that I was from some Latin country, and uh, but I knew I was learning English because I watched cartoons, and so mm -hmm. I was learning enough. So I remember clearly like her coming up to me, she's like, "You're so cute. Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Cleveland." And so she, <laughs> <laughs> she, what? Was, she was so embarrassed. She was so. And, 
But then she loved me. I always win everybody over. And um, I went to Orange County Public Schools, you know, K through 12. And um, and I, 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 I thoroughly loved it. And I was uh, went to Valencia for, um, I went to Evans for high school. I went to Valencia for my first two years. And I wanted to go to UF so bad. My dad was like, you're not going away you're not married so you're not going away and I was so disappointed I don't know Jimmy because Jimmy and I went to high school together mm-hmm. um if he remembers but I just was thinking I'm gonna go to UF I'm gonna go to this school I'm so excited and I got accepted to UF my dad didn't let me go he told me I had to go to Valencia and I'm like you're gonna make me go to Kirkman High School that's what you're gonna do <laughs> and, <laughs> and but sure enough my dad knows best my dad was not gonna ever let me make my own choice at that age I was 17 18 years old but it was great for me because the reality was I got to learn at Valencia in a smaller environment, um, you know, the college experience, you know, the harder class. It was much harder than, you know, your high school lectures. And then I was ready. When I went to UF for my, my um, you know, the junior and the senior year, I was ready. And I loved being in college. Loved it, loved it. And I did law school there. And um, after law school, it was so funny because I just, I've had so many blessings in my life. And that, we'll talk about that later, but it was just like one blessing after another that I ended up at the public defender's office. Um, and then after that, after the public defender's office, I ended up going to work for a law firm. And that was like a mentorship opportunity. And then from there, I knew I wanted to be a judge. So to not take away time from that employer, because it takes a lot of time to become a judge, I put up my own law firm. I did that for a few years. And when the opportunity came, I ran for judge. and. That was an amazing experience, too, because when you're doing an election, you're all over the community, meeting people, boots on the ground. And now I just can't believe it. I've been a judge for four years. So time has flown by. And I have a husband and four daughters. (laughs) I always wanted a son. son, So I think I tried four times for a boy, but it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I gave up. <laughs> so with uh with the husband and four daughters, how do you balance, you know, the the life between mm-hmm. work and family? Your you know, personal it, professional. I'll tell you like, you know, I I don't think I one day I'm going to start making up my original material, but I always say, you know, why reinvent the wheel? A lot of the things that I think and believe are not things that Gisela made up. It's things that have been told to me throughout my life and um I remember at a young age, I think this might have been when I was in college at UF that I was told in the business school, you know, you have to treat your life like a business. That's what successful people do. And um, so I believe, but I've always believed that you have to have your brand, your personal brand, and you have to have a mission. And, you know, my family and my judicial philosophy is part of my brand, who I am. And and they're part of my mission. You know, that's why I live. That's why I do what I do. Being a judge and serving the community is is part of me. It's a part of my soul. It's it's well, who I am and my family. That's who I am. And so it's so easy to to have the balance when that's your brand. That's mm. who you are as a person, and that's your mission. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm I'm a morning person. So I'm always very happy. The first thing I want to do is see my family, love on them, kiss them, hug them. Like I'm like all of them, you know. I would fill them full of love before I even leave the house. If something God forbid ever happened to me, they're gonna know that they're loved because mm-hmm. they feel it before they, they too much. Before I leave this house, <laughs> they're like, get off me. <laughs> so, and then, you know, from the moment I step out of this house, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my job and the service and what can I do better. You know, 
I want to get so many things accomplished throughout the day, but I'm also checking on my family throughout the day. I think, you know, I carry myself in a way that it's it's all about service and how can I help and uplift people and and how can I make my family better? Because at the end of the day, that's I come from a family who didn't have much and I'm always trying to build my legacy for them. I want, you know, and, and Jimmy probably can relate to this and you too, you know, that I feel that I'm one step away from being able to just go back to being a farmer because that's where my father came from, you know? I'm trying to move forward and that takes me every day to do that. You know, I, I could, if I get lazy today, I could be a farmer tomorrow. And that's not a bad thing, but I'm just trying to move forward and move my whole family with me. So that's part of my brand, that's part of my mission. And um, I do it every day and everything that I do, even when I'm pumping gas or I'm cleaning the car or, you know, picking up the mail. It's everything that I do, that's how I carry myself. Yeah, actually, I like that quite a bit. You, know, you saying that, you know, one of the lessons you picked up along the way is treating your, your family, right? Treating your family, your, your life like a business and you have to have a brand, you have to have a mission, um, you have to have a calling and then making sure that that brand and that mission permeates every single thing that you do, mm -hmm. every part of your life. Um, and it's uh, definitely apparent just from what you've been able to share so far. The thing that um, I'm really intrigued about and I know that we'll get to learn a little bit more about this as you know we just continue to chop it up here, but um, there's just so many um, inspirational examples just in your story from, you know, the uh, the immigrant story, you know, your father's experiences and, you know, stepping out on faith again, leaving farming behind, coming to New York and then saying, OK, I'm going to learn how to, you know, work on cars. Right. So we'll move to the mistake on the lake <laughs> and, and we'll, uh, you know. Uh, we'll figure it out, but all for the purpose of helping to move the family forward and putting mm -hmm. his family in a better position. Mm -hmm. And then to immediately reap the the fruit of that, that investment, mm -hmm. you know, in your life, the very, mm -hmm. like the very next generation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, what's clear is that no aspect of your journey has, um, you know, been a, um, a gold, a, you know, kind of a golden path or golden laden path, mm -hmm. you've definitely had to pull and just be resilient and fight for everything that you've been able to attain. And it's that fighter mentality that you continue to carry with you when you have that mindset that says, look, if I get lazy today, I could go back to farming tomorrow. That's mm -hmm. how, how, that's how quickly it could go away. And that just really resonates with me. Um, I, I see that same type of fighter spirit, uh, to be honest with you, and my father and kind of his experiences and seeing how he's instilled that in me. It's really, really compelling. I, I can't wait to learn a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that, you know, as well as um, you just, you know, it's not allowing yourself to kind of get content. Right. I mean, there's there's definitely want to be content with where you're at and, and the blessings that you've been given, but always knowing that with the blessings that I've been given, like there's additional levels that I can continue to get to and work towards uh, because it is so easy to, to slide back and, and, you know, you always want to be looking forward and, and never behind you. So definitely mm -hmm. appreciate that. So you, you talked about, you know, within your family and within a community and, you know, that desire to serve and as being part of your mission, a part of your brand, as you look to, to, to be a servant, what was the moment in your life that you knew that you felt that that leadership and this type of role that you have in the community was was your calling so you know it you're gonna hear me say this all the time and it might be like a broken record but again it's my parents because so we were in cleveland i told you we came here when i was two or three years old it's like more like three probably the summer i turned three in september so that's why i say that um 
And my dad, this place is probably still there. Carl Van was a body shop that he came to work for that's on Silver Star. Um, and the intention was for him to work there enough to be able to get the money to open up his own body shop. And he owned the body shop for 35 years, which was East West Auto Body Shop, which is Old Winter Garden. And uh, mm-hmm. and Old Winter Garden and John Young mm-hmm. Parkway. So, um, so we had that shop for thirty five years. In that time, remember I told you there wasn't that many Hispanic people, um, but it was starting to grow and starting to come more and more. And my dad, he wasn't a community leader. You know, he wasn't the mayor. He, you might have thought he was, but he was a source because because he had that shop. And then he had his own softball team, which is a big thing, okay? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> for, for older men. Um, and that softball team played over in Colonial uh, at the, the middle school by Englewood um, Middle School, whatever the, the middle school was at. Englewood was at elementary school. But anyways, mm-hmm. people would come to him as a source. If they had questions about, you know, what travel agency to use, they would ask my dad. If they had questions about a lawyer, they would ask my dad. If they had questions about how to get from point A to point B, they had to ask my dad. People would come here to Orlando and they had all kinds of questions of where they should live, where they shouldn't live, they would ask my dad. And so in his own way, he was a leader and he you know, was a hilarious comedian. So everybody wanted to be around my dad all the time. You know, as people would come in, I would see my dad just like navigate people, help them, you know. He would take the shit off his back and give it to you even if he didn't even know you. Um, and that just instilled in me a thing, you know, where I just want to help people. And then my mom, she was the same way, in a different way. She, she was more like, you know, always into the church and wanting to help people through the church. You know, she was always praying. She didn't even know you. Like my mom, she, <laughs> more people know my mom than know me. I promise you that, okay? You know, she goes to, <laughs> she goes to the gym all the time, and everybody at the gym in Okoli knows my mom. You know, I go anywhere, your oldest daughter, yeah, they all know her. <laughs> she'll see you, if you tell her that your back is hurting you, she'll tell you, take your shirt off, let me look, blah, blah, blah. she'll start inspecting <laughs> you. You know, so she was always trying to help people, like she's always collecting clothes and giving clothes away, and so in any way that she could give, food away, clothes away, whatever she can give, help people. If they got sick, she would go to the church, to the hospital and pray for them. Um, so she was a servant in that way. So I never saw my, my, my mom or my dad let somebody go without in, in their way. Because remember, my parents didn't graduate from high school. They didn't get the chance to graduate from high school. They came here and they had to start working right away. So in their way, they were leaders, you know, in their way, people looked for them. And so in my way, I knew I was going to give back. I was going to pay forward something. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I can't rave enough about the school system here. And I felt that every teacher that I ever had gave me something. And I was going to make sure that that seed that they gave me was going to be planted and then paid forward some way, somehow, in the way that I could give. Because since I became a judge, I can give in a different way than what my parents can give. And so um, I think that it never crossed my mind to not be in leadership. I guess I should do that way. Got you. Yeah, especially, you know, when you when you have two great examples mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of that, that spiritual foundation. It sounds like a spiritual warrior in your mom mm-hmm. and then you know, your father with his work ethic. And I love the, the word that you use, navigate, and how he mm-hmm. navigated conversations and relationships within the community. 
and in doing so, and I'm sure with both of them, as they're giving, they're building trust, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people would continue to come, you know, to your to your parents and to your dad as that source for hey, if I need something, if I have a question, I know this gentleman right here would be able to, to steer me in the right direction. And I can trust, you know, the advice mm-hmm. and the information coming from him. So, yeah. yeah. And and then another thing, um, you know, when when you create a leader, when you, when you work with people and you're trying to build leadership, um, you you delegate and you trust them. And my parents, you know, my dad was working seven days a week, basically in the beginning to bring his business up. And then once he had the free time, um, he started the softball thing. That was the Sunday. So now he's out every day. And my mom, she always was a hustler. So she always had like three or four jobs. Like she would like, she had a dry cleaners. And then she also did side business, um, making um, tablecloths for the hotels for events. She would also clean houses. She would do anything that she could do. And and then she was always at church. So basically, she even said it down to everybody. She's like, she was always embarrassed. Like, by the time I was three years old, I was raising my other sister. So I was like making bottles. I was changing diapers. Like, she's like, I don't even know how I make this other change a diaper. She's only three years old, but she, I was changing diapers. So it's like, you know, I think I was always in leadership because I was delegated duties from a young age, you know, from three years old, I'm, I'm making milk and changing diapers for another baby, but I'm a baby too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, um, a couple of things really just stu- stood out to me, um, as I'm kind of just listening to you talk about, um, the example your father set for you, the example that your mother set for you is, uh, first is that, you know, leadership is not about credentials, right? Um, Because you touched on the point like, hey, they didn't get the opportunity to, um, you know, complete high school or get their high school education. They had to, they came to the States and then they had to get right to work, right? And even in spite of that, right, that wasn't necessary. That wasn't a prerequisite for them to be a, a leader in their community, to be that person that is not just, you know, navigating or influencing, but just connecting the fiber mm-hmm. of the community together, right? Um, and um, that servant spirit in both of them, right, mm-hmm. just, just like permeated everything in their life, right, um, in terms of, um, you know, you know, who they um you know, taking time to you know, love on people and pray for people that I don't know you. And mm-hmm. oh, you say your back, your back hurts. You got my full attention to, um, you know, meeting brand new people who are coming to the area for the first time. And here, let me help you navigate uh, yeah. the central quarter area and where you should go and, and what you should prioritize and who's somebody you can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the thing that's really um, inspiring to see then is how you took that example, right, of your credentials are not necessary for you to be a leader in your community, and then you com- you combined it with the credentials mm-hmm. to serve in a different capacity, which is really, really um, just awesome to see. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank see. you. And I don't want to give too much away because I do want our <laughs> listeners to, to see the video itself. But one thing that, that I, I will say that uh, touched me when I was watching that is and I can see now listening to your story about your parents, you know, you were like, I don't want to just be a lawyer. I want to be a judge and the ambition. But when you have parents that, like you said, are hustlers and ambitious and business owners and doing their thing, it's it's almost impossible, you know, to, to grow up that and see that every single day and not mm-hmm. want to continue to take your aspirations to that next level and, mm-hmm. and really, you know, make the most of the opportunity. So um, Devon mentioned the word inspiring, definitely a very inspiring story. And um really cool to hear how your parents had such an impact you know on your life even mm-hmm. at an early age delegating oh, responsibilities yes. 
You know, and I've been trying to. Is one thing. This is like a funny title. I've been looking for this book forever, and I cannot find it. I'm gonna, one day I'm gonna find it. But I had this book since I was young. But you know, you learn if you like something, hide it from your children because they, you know, they go through that phase where they color and they rip. And my kids destroyed a book that I had. But I had at a young age. I had this book, and it was um, about this aunt, and it was it was in Spanish. Um, um, the the aunt broke her leg, and she was gonna sue. And then she was like saying, I'm, and she, was, she went to the judge. And she was like, I'm going to sue. You know, she was going to sue the snow. She was going to sue the sun. And everybody would come in front of the judge like, no, don't sue me um, because it's not my fault. Like this, she like, she wants she to sue the snow because she slipped and fell. And she's like, well, don't sue me. Sue the sun because the sun melted me. You know, it's not my fault. So, and then she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to sue the fence. I'm going to sue this. I'm gonna sue that. So they all went before the judge. And said, that's my dad had told me like, you know, you need to be a professional. Like you're gonna be a doctor or a lawyer. And I was like, well, first of all, let's just stop right there because I faint when I see blood and I don't like shots. So just <laughs> take the doctor out of the picture. Out of the window. And now that's not happening. And lawyer, I was like, lawyer, I'm like, but I was remembering this little book that I had. And I was, remember, this is a conversation I might have when I was four or five years old with my dad. And I was like, I don't wanna be the lawyer. I wanna be the judge. Like I wanna be the one who everybody brings their problems to and they solve the problem because the judge was listening. And it was solving. That's what my dad would do. My dad would listen and solve, you know. And so, so that I think it was more like that serving mentality. Like I wanted to be, you know. And I don't think that a judge is better than a lawyer. You know, they all have different roles. But definitely, I felt that the judge was the one that listened and helped and was a problem solver. And I even think to this day, like a lawyer has to pick a side. You know, you're working for one side, and you can only help one side. But a judge is neutral. And so at that in that point, you know, you get to really help and serve. And so um, when I when I was a kid, I didn't see that. All I said was like, I want to be the one who who listens and helps. Uh, I didn't want to be the. I wanted to be that. And my dad was like, Oh yeah, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> he was in love with the idea. He's like, Yes, absolutely, I agree. Whatever we got to do. Mm. What um, What I like about that though is because I think back to uh, <clears throat> some of the other episodes we've had and we've talked about. Um, just early, you know, early um, memories we have as kids that kind mm-hmm. of helped molded us uh, into leadership and where we're at currently as adults. And um, I think there's just the power of how much wisdom is in the innocence of a child. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For you to just be able to say, I read this book about an aunt and she's trying to shoot everybody, <laughs> right? And I know that that judge's job is they're there to hear everybody's problem and solve the problem, right? And like, that's all you took away from it. And now here you are years later and you're you're living that. You're living mm-hmm. that. You're hearing problems, you're solving problems, you're executing on that servant um, that servant example that again, you saw from your father, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just love how that all ties back together. That's awesome. Yeah. I gotta find that book. I'm, I'm gonna make sure that one, uh, <laughs> I've been looking for it. it too. <laughs> it's in Spanish, so you have to learn how to read Spanish, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll get mom on it. Mom is uh, his mother's Puerto Rican, so okay, we'll, good. we'll get him in. Teach him up. Good. He needs to be bilingual anyway. We're in South yeah. Florida. Yes. I hear you. If I find the book, I'll get you a copy. But I've been looking for it. It's hard. <laughs> I think one one additional lesson I took from that as well, and we've we've spoken a little bit about this, but just for our legacy leaders, while you look to be a problem solver, the thing that you said first though is listening. 
you know, and, and sometimes we we tend to to want to solve problems and fix things, but it's just so important to listen to people, to listen mm-hmm. to what they're going through, you know, listen to not just the words, but the emotions behind the words to really get a good understanding of the full context of the situation, and then start to provide some guidance and possibly, if you have, if you think you have the answers, start to provide some ideas, you know, that can yeah. help them solve those those problems and provide solutions. So, yeah. Unbiased. Unbiased. Yes, unbiased. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Unbiased. Yeah, I like that. Cool. So <clears throat> I know we talked a little bit, uh, obviously, about the impact that your parents have had and the example that they set uh, for you that really helped kind of set you on the trajectory that you've been on. But you also mentioned the role that the school system played, right? Mm-hmm. And I know you have a huge affinity for Orange County public school systems. Um, you're still plugged in. You still go back to E-High and, and contribute. And I'm just curious, were there any people, you know, uh, that were part of your education journey that really left a, like a positive impression on you? And what were some of the things that they taught you along the way? Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, I I love so many. I feel bad singling anybody out. But I will tell you that um, I always remember my third grade teacher, Mr. Hawkins. I don't know if it was because my first male teacher. I don't know. But Mr. Hawkins, he was funny. He made learning like enjoyable. And he would always make sure that we pushed our even in third grade. Like so he would always push ourselves and. And that's one of the things that I, you know, you gave me the questions, so I had it written down. But, <laughs> but you know, when, when we talked earlier about brand, you know, mm-hmm. um, one of the things, you know, he would always get on us. He wouldn't give us any credit if we didn't put our name on our paper, right? And, and then I'm like, you know, I get mad. I'm like, Mr. Hawkins, you know that's mine. Like, that's my handwriting. You know it's mine. <laughs> no, he wouldn't let us go back. And he's like, that's your paper. Why aren't you proud of it? Why wouldn't you put your name on it? You know, well, then you're not going to get graded for it. And that was it. You couldn't change his mind after that. And so everything you do has your name on it. Right. And that's so important. That's so important. And so I always remember that, like, it's going to have my name on it. I'm going to make sure it has my name on it. First of all, I want to get credit for it. It's going to have my name on it. And then once it has a name on it, it has to have my brand. It has to have my mission. It has to reflect me. Um, and that's something that I've carried since third grade. Okay, so because because he put that he put that in my head. And then I always remember I didn't like math. Um, I didn't like math, and it wasn't until I had Mr. Aikens. I was in um, middle school, and it was funny that if you stay in the same community, this is the beautiful thing that then my daughters had him too, and he didn't forget me. So when I would be like driving my <laughs> Driving my daughter and driving my mom, I'm like, you let me know if they act up, okay? He's like, <laughs> I got <laughs> But, you know, he was the first one that gave me detention um, for coming to class late. And it's because, you know, when you get to middle school, you want to hang out in the hallways and, you know, you want to be cool and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I got detention. I didn't know how I was going to tell my parents this because I was responsible for my sister. And now I'm going to have to stay after school and I'm not going to be able to take her home. I was, I was sweating bullets. I was like, I don't know. I'm going to get beat up by my parents. I had detention. I was going to try to tell my sister to stay after school with me so we can go home together. We would have to walk home. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be in the job. But, you know, he told me responsibility. Like, you know, if my if your sister's counting on you and you got to take her home, then why would you be lollygagging in the hallways and then risk getting in detention if someone's counting on you? You know, mm. and so I said, okay. After we had this talk, are you let me slide? No. Oh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I learned my lesson. We good? We good? No, no, yeah. So he didn't let me slide, but um, I learned, and he, and then he, you know, what he did. He said he taught me math, and so I got a great grade in his class. He cared, and he was always on top of me. 
Um, and I was when I found out that he was going to be my teacher, my daughter's teacher, I was so happy because again, he all those years that he was teaching at Orange County Public Schools, he still had the same thing. Like you know, he's not going to let you slide. He's going to be on you, and he's going to make sure that you learn math. Period. You're not going to leave his classroom without learning. So. Um, with everything, you know, there's going to be times that you're going to get into something, you're not going to know how to do it. And even being a judge, you know, being a judge is a lot about teaching yourself the subject. You know, I can change divisions like I did. I, I knew criminal law because when I um, became an attorney, I started out do, at the public defender's office. And then I taught myself family law. Not because I wanted to, trust me, I did not want family. My parents got divorced at one point and I said I was never going to do family law. But I had a client who was accused of aggravated battery with a deadly weapon when he found out his wife was cheating on him with his friend because he uh, destroyed the car that he bought her with the bat. And so then he wanted to do the divorce. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't do that kind of stuff. I just do criminal defense. That's it. I can help you with the criminal defense. That's not a problem, which we won the trial. Um, but I can't do family law. I'm sorry. But... I did. He forced me because he's like, I'm not hiring another attorney. You're doing this. And so I had to teach myself family law. But I was confident to do that because of Mr. Aikens because he was like, you know, you break. He taught me how to break things down in steps and how to just teach yourself. Just breathe. Take it slowly. Break it down and, and teach yourself materials. And the reality is that we come across so many things in life, um, so many journeys. And sometimes we just have to teach ourselves. We don't read a book you know learn it explore and like um and as a judge you know when i switch divisions nobody's gonna sit me down and say okay just come here this is how you do this no i have to learn it myself and so um and i think i learned that from mr akins um and then um i don't know jimmy who you had for english um but for my senior year i had miss healy and miss healy she was amazing and you know and a lot of people didn't like her because she was so strict but I think it was because my dad was so strict that I kind of always loved the strict teacher. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the reason why is because they don't let you slide, you know? And what does that do? That pushes you to be the best. You want somebody to give you the easy A? Well, then you're going to suck, you know? And <laughs> you, know, you want somebody, you want to be that boss everybody tells you, the brown noses you and say, you're the best, you're great. No, I don't want that. You know, I want somebody to like, keep it real with me. I want somebody who's going to push me. And, and Miss Healy was, you know, she would, I would put all my work into a paper and then she would tell me how horrible it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just did all this work and now she's telling me it sucks. And, and I can't believe it. And some people would be like, she hates me, she hates me. I even had a, a cousin of mine who's like, she hates me, she hates me. I'm like, I would never say that because I would say, you know what, I got to figure out what I'm doing wrong and I'm going to learn from this because I want to make sure that. I learned, and so when I went to college, and I had English in college, I was like, "This is boring. This is easy because I had already had Miss Healy." So, when you when you have a teacher who pushes you, or when you are so far on yourself that you push yourself, then when you get into a complicated situation, it's easy because you've already been so hard on yourself, or you've already been pushed so hard. I'm telling you something. Like if, if I ever had somebody try to push me, that's nothing compared to my dad. That's nothing. <laughs> if I ever had somebody try to be grumpy with me, like I said, I was, I say, I don't have a problem with grumpy old men because I had my dad. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know. I, but I had so many more teachers. But if I had to name the ones that always I think about all the time, and then I was like, you know, I want to make sure that they know 
where I'm at in my life. And I wanted them to know that I did it because I might have given them so many headaches that they're like, what am I going to do with Gisela? I have a bottle of aspirin just for her. You know, these are the <laughs> teachers that I think about. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. What I, um, what I love, yeah, just kind of through all those examples that you talked about, not just what they instilled in you, but what you walked away from is, um, or walked away with is just kind of this theme of ownership. There's a theme of ownership across the board, right? Of mm -hmm. owning, um, being responsible for your own learning journey, right? Um, I really love the fact that you're saying, hey, one of the, th the most valuable things I learned from him was the process of learning because, um, and how that continues to pay dividends for you even now, like you said, changing divisions, nobody sitting you down and saying, hey, this is everything you need to know, right? You had to say, okay, where do I start? And then just really own your own uh, learning journey, um, which I think is just really, really impressive. Um, it's just awesome to hear, like you were able to take that away at third grade and here again, you know, it's, it's, still, it's still paying off for you. Um, and yeah, hopefully there are teachers, um, the, some of the folks that you mentioned, and I know there's many, many others that have influenced you and left a favorable mark, but the ones um, that you mentioned specifically, hopefully they're listening and they're able to see again um, the role that they've been able to play um, and the community has been able to play um, in your success and your journey. No, just, it, I agree with you, Devon. There was two points, you know, you mentioned the ownership and the responsibility were a couple of things, mm. you know, as you were talking about your, I believe your middle school teacher, um, you know, those lessons that you learned. And I also like the part about, you know, put your name on it. If, if you're going to do some work, mm -hmm. make sure that people understand that this is you. And also for you recognize, okay, now that I'm gonna put my name on it, like there has to be a certain level of excellence and, and knowing that I'm representing myself, I'm rep representing my family, my brand. Um, that's just important for people to, to see things from that perspective. And you know, I always try to tell my kids and teach them, like if you're gonna do something, just do it to the best of your abilities. Not mm -hmm. to be greater than anybody else, but for you, if you're gonna do something, you know, just make sure that you're doing it right. Um, and, and those are, you know, two, two to three things that I really took from that, that for me, that really um, just stood out. Again, the responsibility, the ownership. And if you're going to put your name on it, do so and make sure you're doing it with excellence. Yeah, yeah it's, especially that ownership component too. like, um, I love the fact that you see it even manifest itself uh, as a 12th grader and you're, you know, you're surviving this Healy's English class, <laughs> uh, right? And um, when everybody else is kind of saying, man, you know, there's something about this teacher that they don't like me personally. This is, has nothing to do with um, my work product or um, a skill that I need to continue to develop. It's, it's a personal vendetta. But you've had the kind of the wherewithal in the sense to say, well, no, I'm not going to say that. I know this is just a part of me learning. I got to take ownership of this, right? Mm -hmm. What can I do in order to close the gap here? Um, mm -hmm. And again, I think that's just a testament to um, the village, the village of folks that have helped contribute to your, you know, kind of raising you and your development and pouring into you. Um, that I think is just, you know, again, really, really insightful and, you know, important points to pull away. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I played a trick on Miss Healy when I was in school. Um, because she would give us homework every day, every day. And I would be like, oh, my goodness, like, why do we have to have homework every day? And she used to always say, like, the same. She used to say, like, oh, when pigs fly and hell freezes over. She would say that all the time. And so back then in the Florida mall, they had, like, this little kiosk, and you could have, like, uh, newspapers made. And so I was like, first of all, I didn't mind doing the homework, whatever, but all everybody was always complaining. So I was like, you just have to be creative. Like, if you want, she's always saying that, She's not going to give us homework when pigs fly and hell freezes over. So, okay. So then let's make it happen. So at the time, 
my mom I had my sister she's good with art she took we bought like these the pink um poster boards I got about I think like 10 pink poster boards and I know Jimmy will remember like our ceilings were like these uh little squares but then it had like this little metal like look like checkerboards you know but mm-hmm. the little metal prong so mm-hmm. I had um my sister cut out these little pigs out of the pink poster board and I put like wings on them and I punched holes on them and put string on them and I put paper clip on it two paper, paper clips on the string so I went in there with ten little pigs and hung them up in the room and I got this newspaper made at the Florida Mall that said hell freezes over Miss Healy's class and I put that all in her room so when she came in she had pigs flying and the newspaper said hell froze over and I was like what you gonna do? <laughs> so, all that for one day of no homework so, it, ha- it happened <laughs> I respect it. That's awesome. It's super creative, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, silly, but whatever. You're in high school, you do silly things. Oh, awesome. Again, back to the theme of ownership. You took ownership. Yeah, I'm be great. You want this to happen? I'm gonna make it happen. So I commend you. I commend you. So um, we talked a lot about um, just kind of again the examples that your community has provided you, your family has provided you, um, and you've provided us a bunch of just really really awesome nuggets. Um, I would imagine kind of as you continue to grow in life, there's been plenty of situations that you've had to um, teach yourself about. Right? You talked about learning in the process of learning. Teach yourself about to overcome um, adversity. Right? Mm-hmm. Adverse situations, and so. I'm curious if there's a specific um, situation that you can pull from or that comes to mind where you were called to lead through adversity and what did you learn from that experience um, and you know how did you navigate it? Yeah, it's funny. That's the question I had the most like trouble thinking about. There's so many things that I've been through. I just couldn't think like what was better than the other. I mean, so many things. Like I couldn't even, you know, and then even in my own personal life, I, I don't know if many people know this, but I went to law school with two kids, you know, two small children. People are like, how did you go to law school with two small kids? But it's so funny because in Spanish families, you know, you have your kids young. And even, you know, when I went to high school, like a lot of my best friends had their kids in high school. And so by the time I graduated from college, my mom just thought I was going to be an old maid and never have any kids. So, and I still had to go to law school. So... I had my first two daughters and I went to law school with two kids and, and that was so difficult. Um, but I just knew that that I that I had to finish my goal, that I wasn't gonna let myself down or my family down or my father down. Um, but I don't know, I just never thought that was a challenge. I just I just always felt like to me like just like today, the today was crazy, but tomorrow's another day, you just keep going. So I so it was so hard to think of an answer for that question. Um, Another thing that I thought about was most, that I think that's what I'm most proud of, is in my family, we have a big family, there's always a lot of drama. And, <laughs> and I think that they always call me to be the mediator for everything. You know, anything that happens, um, I'm always called to be the mediator. I think, I guess, this is the best source of adversity, I guess, whenever there's a problem. And whenever I get called in to be the mediator, even if it, the problem involved me, you know, I think that they call me to be the mediator once because they know I'm going to get it solved, whatever problem it is, if it's including my dad, my sisters, my mom, my cousins, whatever it is, it's going to get resolved. But but what I always do to lead the situation is, you know, 
make sure that people understand that one, it's so important to be the bigger person. I think pride is always a big problem whenever there's a whenever there's a situation. We all get wrapped up in pride. You know, anybody can. Um, but even um, the best negotiator. This is a little. My mom, when I graduated from from um, from law school, she gave me this little card. I think it's like a ninety nine cents little card thing, and it was like the the negotiator, and like it had all these traits of these negotiators. And one of the things that that I always remember is that a ne- the best negotiator always makes the person think that it was their idea, which is a funny thing. So I <laughs> that, I I think about that, and 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 so whenever I'm talking to people who have a problem. And, and even if it's in my family, I always say, you know, be the bigger person and, and go up to the person and, and just see what they want and, and, and try to figure it out. It doesn't matter if, if, if you have to take a step back from what you believe in or what you want and let the other person win for the day. It doesn't, it doesn't, in the big picture, does it really matter? You know, we have such a long life to live or a short life to live sometimes. And I, I, and I think I'm most proud of that. Of all the challenges that I've had in my life, of all the things that I've been through, I think the fact that whenever we have problems with my family, that I can bring the family back together again, that, that to me feels mm. the best. Mm. So actually, there's a couple of things that you share that um, even in explaining kind of your thought process and you know, <laughs> how, how you uh, struggled a bit with finding an answer to um, that question, I still think that there's a valuable lesson in that, which is um, you don't look at those problems as adversity, right? Um, Adversity um, sometimes can have the stigma like, um, you know, I'm powerless against it. Um, There's nothing I can do about it. This is a trying time. And, oh, you know, I'm going to give up. I'm going to succumb to the situation. It's all about external. But I think Part of the reason why you struggle maybe a little bit with, you know, identifying the answers, because for you, when you run into problems that are presented in life, because you have problems just like everybody else. Right. Um, When you're confronted with a problem, you go back to those lessons of ownership, of learning, of listening, of Mm. um, being a source for the community and facilitating a solution that don't make you feel like it's adverse, right? It's just another problem that I have to navigate. And at the end of the day, um, that mindset that you have of, and if I can't solve the problem today, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. I'll just try again tomorrow. And so I think that um, there's still a lot of lessons in that um, just from what you've shared. Um, And so I think because of that mindset, I can absolutely see why the family looks to you um, to help kind of facilitate or mediate, um, you know, when they have those problems is because you have a, a centeredness about you um, whenever you're dealing with those situations that gives people a lot of confidence and helps them to kind of push out all the noise and mm-hmm. the overwhelming emotions and just get to the root of what are we trying to do here? If we're trying to solve the problem, let's get pride out of it. Let's get your emotions out of it. Let's figure out what it is. And even if it means that you have to lose the battle or lose the day in mm-hmm. order to win, um, you know, win the lifetime, like mm-hmm. we, should, we should do that. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I, re- I really appreciate just uh, what you shared so far. Well, thank you. Thank you. You said it better than me. <laughs> it's, a, it's the benefit of sitting on the sidelines and getting alone. So. Yeah, I just think it's important to, I mean, you mentioned, you know, we have a lifetime to live. So you want those relationships to be as strong as Mm -hmm. possible, but also sometimes you don't have, you know, 
as long as we may think, right? Mm. And again, just that point that it's sometimes things are, are they're just not that crucial, you know, to let's let's come to to our resolution, you know, and, and let's get to get past this and get to another point so that we can get back to being family and, and knowing just how that important, it, you know, that is uh, for for us and just within the community as well. You know, it's like sometimes I feel things for people I don't even know. Whenever I hear somebody say that they haven't spoken to their mom or their dad or their sibling, like that hurts me. Like I can't, I can't imagine not like not speaking to a parent or not speaking to a sibling or not speaking to somebody that you love or or a relationship that gone south. You know, and sometimes it just boils down to just being the bigger person or seeing what what what's going on, like what's behind the curtain. And so I would never want somebody that I love to be in that situation. Yeah, great. So when you think about, you know, you as a leader and some of the the adversity that you you've mentioned, and maybe other you know situations that you were kind of thinking about as you were looking to to kind of decide what you were going to share with us and with our listeners, what do you think that adversity has taught you about leadership in your life that you still carry with you to today? Well, I was thinking that I was able to answer. <laughs> Well, I thought about leadership and leaders that I admire and how they've made me feel or what did I take away from them and leaders that I didn't like so much and how they made me feel and what I didn't like about them. And I think that, you know, nobody likes a Napoleon leader, right? Nobody likes that. Um, and, and people like leaders who let them play in the game too, right? Nobody wants to sit on the bench. Uh, and so people want to be a part of the movement. People want to be a part of the game. People want to have a leader that they can trust. And you can't trust somebody if you're at arms, you're dealing at arm's length. You know, you have to be together. It has to be a team. And so I think that whenever I, people have trusted me and, and they put me in leadership positions and we work together, there's a sense of I'm working with you and my goal at the end of the day is to make us you know, there's no weak link, right? That, because then you're gonna make me look bad. You know, I'm gonna make you look bad. We have to all look good together. That's what makes a leader look good. And I always said that even when I when um when I've been praying, you know, I don't know when I I said when I pray to God, I say, God, like, help me make you look good. That's that's my that's my goal, right? I I, I want to make me strong so that people can say like, oh, God is so good. Like, look what He's done to Gisela. And so when I'm trying to be a leader. I want to work hard to make somebody look so good that they make me look good. Oh, look at that person with Gisela. They're doing everything right. So that makes me look good, right? So I think it's important for leaders to empower people. Like You have to give them that confidence. You have to empower them. That's a good leader. You have to uplift them, constantly telling them, you know, when they're doing something good, tell them. You know, when they're doing something bad, tell them something good and then tell them something bad. You know, hey, listen, you're doing this is really good, but also let's work on this situation. Like, you know, your name's on this, right? Go back to my, the third way you um, You know, help them grow. Like, how, that's the thing. Like, tell them how. Like, you can't go up to somebody and tell them day after day, like, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, because you're not helping them at all. You know, you tell them how to do it right. Like, say, hey, listen, I noticed you do this. Have you tried this other way of doing it? Like, how can we, how do you, like, how are you doing this? Like, sit back and say, well, how are you doing it? Tell me. So then you can hear what they're doing, and maybe you can catch where the problem is and say okay wait what are, what are you doing right there I, i've done that I'm like what <laughs> did you ever think about what happens when you do that okay let's go back let's go back because sometimes people do can 
crazy things. And you, they, think, they think that that's productive, and, and really it's not. Um, and listen, that's the, the soliciting part. Like that's, you know, so I've had, I've had people like waste so much time. Um, and when you listen, like, okay, wait, go back and say that again. Now, did you hear yourself saying that? Because if you would have done X, Y, Z, you would have circumvented this whole part. And then you would have added this much time to your day. And you wouldn't know that if you would be like, why are you taking so long to do this? You know, you're just attacking them instead of listening to what they're doing and seeing what the problem is. Um, and then building people up. Because if someone has a complex and they like they think they're, they're horrible, they think they're sick, they think they're this, then they're going to be that way. So you have to constantly build them up and make them think that they're the bomb. They're the best, you know. And I and I remember Mr. Akins, my teacher, he was always telling me, like, you're amazing. You're, you, you, you're great at math. I'm like, you're talking about me? Are you, I'm not great at math. I'm not great at math. He's like, yes, you are. You know, and he would always tell me that I am until I had to believe in myself because he said, where, I don't know where he's getting this from, but he believes it, so I'm going to have to figure it out. I'm going to have to figure it out. And you have to learn. I mean, you're constantly learning people. You're constantly learning strategies. I mean, the smartest people are always reading. Like their their houses are full of books. Like I'm never. I'm not gonna stop learning till the day that I die. You know. So I'm constantly evolving. There's new ways. Things are changing. You know. And and we can't help people if we stop learning. And so look at this now. You know. We have. I have. I have girls in college. And I'm I'm constantly uh, joking around that sometimes I talk to them I have to Google like I'm texting them and I'm Googling because I don't know what they're saying and I'm so I'm learning you know so yep. and so I, I think that to be a leader you have to be able to like this new word pivot right Did we, were we were we saying this the other day I wasn't saying this the other day you know now I'm saying this now you know so we have to be flexible we have to we have to learn we have to build we have to empower we have to and when you have those qualities you are a leader and then you're making the person that you're with a leader and then they're building leaders and then you know we're stronger as a race we're stronger as a as a as a generation we're stronger as a community and i think that's when you start seeing people succeed because if you're constantly like like you know if you have a dog in your backyard if you're constantly like covering a hole and the dog is making a hole and you're covering a hole you're not getting anywhere you're not going to have a nice backyard you have to all be working together to make the backyard look nice I like that. Yeah, no, I, I like that. It resonates. It resonates quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I just think um, when you talk about uh, empowerment, like you kept coming back to that, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody looking, um, everybody being on the same page. And, hey, the best way to uh, make sure that you're looking good is that those that you're a steward of, those that are part of your team, are also performing at a high level and looking good. And that means having open and honest and transparent feedback and not blowing smoke or giving people fluff mm -hmm. and cur encouraging them to stretch beyond themselves for sure. Um, but also, um, you know, caring enough about their development and their growth to give them the honest feedback. And like you said, say, hold on, did you just hear yourself? Let's go back. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I really appreciate that. You know, it's, um, it's actually super appropriate um, because, you know, for our listeners, um, you know, the prior episode before this one, we actually break down the recipe to empowerment, all right? And we really kind of go through what steps are required in order to properly empower your team um, and, um, you know, be able to delegate effectively and develop effectively through the empowerment process as a leader. And so to hear you share that that's some of the things that you've learned through the adversity process and that you've carried with you, um, just, you know, um, 
is a, is a, is a really awesome cosign uh, <laughs> and, 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 and super timely that we were able to uh, kind of share that nugget. Good. I'm happy. See, it all works out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And you, you mentioned teamwork. You mentioned trust. Uh, and just, you know, reminding all of us that you can only get to to be, you know, as successful by yourself to a certain level. Uh, but it, it's it's just so much more enriching. It's so much more fulfilling when you're helping others find their success, which leads to your success. And, and as a team, you guys are growing and learning, as you mentioned, and finding that success together together. Uh, Teamwork is just so powerful and you could always do so much more, you know, when you're working together with a group of individuals, um, especially, you know, for for today, we just need to continue down that path. We need to continue to, to band together, uh, to work together and to listen to each other, you know, see what we can do to solve problems within a community and how can we all advance and continue to improve uh, our lives, our families and then that of others around us. Well, I see you two together. I hope you guys motivate each other. But I always say to, I talk a lot to kids. I love talking to kids like the Girl Scouts and kids at the uh, Evans and any type of children, youth projects. Um, and I always said that it's important for you to start out with five, you know, a group of five friends because you got to make sure that you always hold each other accountable. And, and of those five friends, always push each other and check on each other and make sure that you're just not getting lazy, you know, and, and what are you doing next? How are you reaching your next one? And I have that, you know, I have, and I, I, I laugh because I have probably three sets of friends. You know, I have my girlfriends from Evans, I have my, I have two sets of Latinas girlfriends, and I laugh because one's my older group that are my age, and then one's a younger group that I'm their mentor. And so, there's a little bit of rivalry, but I have to have like my age group and the young and, the, and then I have and I have the, but but we're always checking in on each other and saying, Oh my goodness, congratulations, that what's next? What's next for you? What are you doing next? Or hey, remember you said you were gonna do this, you haven't done it, you know, and we've been doing this since, you know, for my Evans group since Evans, you know, and for my age group since we became lawyers. And the girls that I'm mentoring since probably now 10 years you know and i think that we're constantly pushing each other to make sure that we don't get fat you know like get lazy so we also work out together so you know but we, <laughs> we 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 want to make sure that we're taking it to the next level that which and you know we self-check like if i get mad about something i'd be like um even in our marriage you know like um i was upset about this you know am i wrong and they'll say, yeah, you were wrong, you know, or no, you're wrong. He's wrong. Okay, good. High five. Okay, good. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> good talk. I thought but, so. But we keep it real, you know, and we push each other and we enjoy each other and we make sure that we're growing because, you know, we want that for each other. We're like, it's like a sisterhood. Um, and you have to have that. You, you want to make sure that you're just not content and just sitting there watching, coming home, watching TV and not doing anything with your life. You want to push yourself to the next level. And so it's really, it's really important to have a group of friends that are going to keep you accountable to that. If, because you're going to be happy. You can, you can give yourself. It's easy to pat yourself on the back and be happy with where you're at. And no, so. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. And actually, um, I think it was something that, you know, you and I talked about years back, Jimmy, um, where, you know, we even said 
every uh, every leader needs counsel, right? So you always have to think about like who's a part of your round table. Um, and it definitely sounds like um, you have a pretty robust round table um, of diverse <laughs> perspectives and everybody's just challenging one another. And you need that, you need that if you're going to um, not only continue to grow, you know, grow as a person, grow as a leader, grow in your personal life, professional life, spiritually, um, but uh, also to make sure, like you said, that um, you don't just rest on your laurels uh, mm -hmm. and um, pat yourself on the back when there's more work to be done because this process mm -hmm. is not done, right? Never. Like, we'll, you know, we're, um, we're still on this journey and we're still building the legacy that mm -hmm. we want to build for our family and that, you know, our family has already built for us and we're shepherding that. And so um, we have to see that good work all the way through, so. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, it's not only professionally, like you said, you know, you can give back so many organizations, you know, you have to pay forward with your blessings. And and, and I love doing that. I serve, I serve on um, so many different boards and I love to serve on there until I feel like I, I can't, I'm not doing anything different. And then I move on and, and see where I can serve somewhere else and, and make a difference. But, you know, I love youth groups. So I've been serving probably now, I'm in my seventh year now serving on the Juvenile Justice Delinquency Prevention State Advisory Group. And we travel the state of Florida making sure that, you know, we're working on prevention programs for uh, juvenile delinquency. And um, I just now started serving on um, Project Opioid because there's a huge, you know, pandemic with opioid crisis. So that's a new project that I'm working on now. And um, I also serve um, on the board of of the the... I'm trying to think of all the acronyms, but it's pretty much the uh, community health centers of Central Florida. So that's pretty much, um, it's not the free clinic, but it's pretty much subsidized and you pay what you can afford. And it's really important because as far as students who go to Evans, because they have a Pine Hill Center and they have um, normally in low income areas, but you know, if you can't see, you can't do well in school. If you have an ugly smile and people are bullying you, you're not gonna do well in school. And so it's really important that people have healthcare provided for so they can do well in life and they can move forward in life and they can they're not having to worry about chronic pain and so um i always try to give back in ways that i feel that also are part of my brand my mission um and and i think i want people to have the pathways to success in education and so making sure that they're free from addiction making sure that if they do get into a problem that they can get out of it you know prevention early and um making sure that people have healthcare taken care of so they don't have to worry about that so they can focus on school is important to me and I think that we all should you know figure out what else can we do to give back besides just being great citizens no absolutely absolutely and a fair a fair challenge especially for um, our listeners um, one of the things that you know kind of continues to jump out to me you know as as we sit and we talk with you is your commitment to family your commitment to community um, and the example is really about being an example, being a beacon. Um, the fact that, uh, and I know you mentioned this when you were talking about like your daughters and taking them to the same middle school that you went to and the relationships there. But uh, again, it's the example of still being rooted in the community that helped to aid in your growth and be able to pay it forward and to give back and to be that example. Um, I think people can't uh, overestimate the value in that and those students at Evans knowing hey you walk these same you know these same halls and you went to these same classrooms and these same lockers and look where you've gotten in life and so mm -hmm. it's not that's attainable for me 
because um, yeah. for some of those folks, for, you know, for some of uh, these kids and you know minority kids and kids from low income and um, you know just uh, challenging backgrounds, the only example, the only tangible example sometimes of success and being able to overcome adversity that they'll see is somebody like yourself, somebody like Jimmy, somebody like myself or our, our listeners going back to those communities yeah. and sharing with them their stories and their examples. So, um, mm. again, just super, super compelling and a great challenge. Yes. Now, so we, we definitely uh, thank you for our listeners. Again, there was a lot of nuggets, a lot of things to unpack. The servant leadership, again, the heart to, mm-hmm. to want to serve your community and pay it forward. Those are just a few things I think are extremely powerful that I've been able to learn uh, about you and just get, again, from the conversation. So we thank you for that. Uh, for the folks that are listening and following us, uh, are there any spots you know, on social media that they can go to or on the Internet to learn more about you and your career? Well, yes. I mean, ultimately, I do have social media accounts for um, judges at the handler. I guess that's what we call it is, is at Judge Laurent. So I have um, Facebook at Judge Laurent and um, Instagram at Judge Laurent. And then we also have the the courthouse. So the at Ninth Circuit. So that's Ninth is spelled out and Circuit is spelled out. Um, and you can always see live. Um, and they also have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram too. So you can always see things about me and the other judges as well and what's going on at the courthouse. Awesome. awesome. Yes, the honorable judge. <laughs> that is so awesome to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's a little flex. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well earned too. Well earned. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but again, this has been a, a great opportunity to uh, to learn some things that I, I didn't necessarily know before and, and just learn more about your story and your leadership development and some of the adversity that you've gone through in your life and how you kind of learned that, you know what, as I continue to do this and get more competent and sharpen my skills, it makes it easier to go through some of those challenging situations in life. So again, that's a lot of powerful messages that I think Devon and myself and our listeners would be able to take from this conversation. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed being part of your show. Yeah, so again, we, we appreciate you guys uh, listening and, and again, watching us on our YouTube channel. Uh, please subscribe, hit the alert button so that you're always informed when we have new videos dropping. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to, again, whatever podcast platform you're on. We're on Spotify, Apple, uh, iTunes, um, so many others, Podbeam. Again, subscribe there, download the episodes. Uh, if you feel like it, we would certainly appreciate it if you leave us a review as well. Uh, that way we can get some feedback from you. And again, we want to keep this these conversations as interactive as possible. So that's one way that you can do that and show us some love is leaving some reviews for us as well. And just let you, you know, let us know what you think about the episodes, about the guests that we have on. And again, some nuggets that you've taken away that maybe we didn't discuss, but just something that was really powerful for you. Uh, we'd love to hear about that. So leave us some reviews, leave us some comments. We would always, always, always appreciate that as well. Um, so again, I, I think this was just another, you know, powerful uh, mentored mm-hmm. by adversity session. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, again, yeah, blessed, you know, to to have you uh, on here, and, and it's important, you know. I, I I said a prayer before we we started that you know the Lord would. Um, just be elevated through our conversation. And that was something that you mentioned earlier that really stuck out to me, you know, that, yeah, it's about myself and my mission and the purpose that I'm mm-hmm. living, but knowing that there's a higher purpose. And I just want to do, I want to do as, as, as good as I can, you know, for the Lord and, and be an example for others. So yeah, how'd I make uh, you again, yeah. yeah, exactly. So thank you for yeah. sharing that with us as well. Um, so until next time, uh, again, continue to, if you haven't 
listen to all the episodes. Go back. We we are on a run. <laughs> this is episode number eight, uh, and we're going to keep it coming. So uh, continue to listen, continue to download, uh, like us and follow us on uh, Facebook as well uh, at uh, the leadership legacy and leadership podcast. You could also check us out on Instagram if you haven't done so already at leadership, uh, legacy leadership. Excuse me, uh, Twitter. So we're all over the place. Even even Everywhere. on yeah on LinkedIn as well. So wherever you're at, that's where we're trying to be. We want to make sure that you continue <laughs> to get the goodness, which is the legacy and leadership podcast. Uh, so again, Judge, thank you as well. Yeah, thank time. you. Uh, thank you, Devonna, as always, my friend, always. for yeah. Yeah, spending this time, investing this time with me. Uh, I appreciate your accountability in my life as well. <laughs> yes, and and yes. the counsel that you provide as, uh, as, my, as my boy and as my friend so and my brother. Uh, so I appreciate that. So again, thank you to all of our listeners. And you guys, uh, God bless and stay encouraged. Until all right. Bye, you. everybody. Take care. You have just listened to the Legacy and Leadership Podcast, hosted by Jimmy Gonzalez and Devon Watts. Thank you, and we hope that you live, lead, and leave a legacy worth remembering. Until next time.